love, social convention, gender roles, and religion. Charlotte Bronte's most famous novel challenges ideas on all these topics, and we are here to discuss it. I'm Charlene. And I'm Mike. And this is Jane Eyre Files. Chapter 15. A Buoyant But Unquiet Sea. Hello, husband. Hello, my cherished preserver. Aw, that's so sweet. Thank you. You preserved me. <laughs> I uh, I like to think so. <laughs> yes. From, from all the figurative fires in my bed. <laughs> Wait you put those minute. out and saved me. Is there anybody in the third story? <laughs> <laughs> Don't go up there. Don't go up there. It's just as I had thought. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, I'm sure it's fine then. I trust you completely. Yeah. <laughs> So this chapter, a lot of things happening. We get a little explanation about Adele and also a little mystery brewing. This is the best chapter in the book. Yeah? I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously we're only 15 chapters in, but... You mean so far? So far. Mm-hmm. We'll see as we go along. We've got another 20-something chapters. Yes. But, I mean, it's got, it's got the romance. It has, like, some intrigue mm-hmm. with, with, the, with the Celine backstory. You've got some suspense. Yeah. Some melodrama. It's like a total encapsulation of the novel itself. And so ah. I was, you know, and I was reading it. When I was reading it, um, I just felt that way. I was like, man, this is really good. I, I like the feelings that Jane is kind of getting to. Mm-hmm. And then that was even before all the stuff happened at the mm-hmm. end of the chapter. I was already thinking, this is one of the best chapters I've read so far. Yeah. Definitely the best chapter from the Thornfield years because I was really... I was really wrapped up in the stuff at Lowood because I thought that was pretty fascinating. Okay, but okay. now we're, okay, yeah, this is, I'm happy with this chapter very much. Well, that might be something interesting to do when we get to the end of the book and the podcast that we do like a roundup, like what's the best chapter? What's oh. the best moment? We're do a bracket? We're going to do a bracket? Oh, uh, we could like think about 16, that. 16, 16, sweet 16 and trying to <laughs> narrow them down. Always sports. Okay, yes, so yeah. <laughs> let's get into the chapter 15, Sparknote Summary. A while later, Rochester fulfills his promise to Jane to tell her about his and Adele's past. He had a long affair with Adele's mother, the French singer and dancer named Celine Varons. When he discovered that Celine was engaged in relations with another man, Rochester ended the relationship. Rochester has always denied Celine's claim that Adele is his daughter, noting that the child looks utterly unlike him. Even so, when Celine abandoned her daughter, Rochester brought Adele to England so that she would be properly cared for. Jane lies awake, brooding about the strange insights she has gained into her employer's past. She hears what sound like fingers brushing against the wall, and an eerie laugh soon emanates from the hallway. She hears a door opening and hurries out of her room to see smoke coming from Rochester's door. Jane dashes into his room and finds his bed curtains ablaze. She douses the bed with water, saving Rochester's life. Strangely, Rochester's reaction is to visit the third floor of the house. When he returns, he says mysteriously, I have found it all out. It is just as I thought. He inquires whether Jane has ever heard the eerie laughter before, and she answers that she has heard Grace Poole laugh in the same way. Just so, Grace Poole, you have guessed it, Rochester confirms. He thanks Jane for saving his life and cautions her to tell no one about the details of the night's events. He sleeps on the library sofa for the remainder of the night. Sparknotes is getting to some details here. 
Quoting the book and stuff. Intrigue. Yeah. Suspense. Like I said, so much happening in this chapter. Yes. Uh, so we begin with uh, Adele's backstory. Finally get to know more about her and why she's at Thornfield. Yeah. Two totally different. It's, it's, this chapter's not that long, but yet there's two totally different halves of the chapter. Oh, yeah. There's and that, and the, important information in both of them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. And like you said, it's, it's. Um, I think you were talking about it before, but like there's a there's a double standard at the time. That mm-hmm. men are allowed were allowed and expected to be promiscuous, where the women were not. Like he's yeah. Rochester's really jealous, right? He has this big problem with Celine seeing somebody else. Yeah, that's true. But I guess maybe he should because he is paying for a lot of her <laughs> stuff, right? He has an expectation. Hopefully, yeah. he was not seeing other women at the time he was dating Celine. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Rochester is telling Jane this story, which he acknowledges is a little strange to be telling a young and inexperienced girl like Jane about his affair, but. Jane takes it all in with acceptance. You know, she's she seems to know that these are this is how things are at the time. But I wonder, does she like? I, I mean, she's not very well versed in the ways of the world. If she's just yeah. sort of come from living at the Reeds and then being in Lowood, does she know how these grown men are supposed to act I in mean, relationships? She and just, stuff? she doesn't seem to express any shock or awe or just like what That's what is true. happening. And and even when thinking about Mister Rochester later, she doesn't seem to judge him for that mm-hmm. or be turned off by it. Nothing surprises her. Yeah, she I guess seem, not even a fire. No, no, no. no she doesn't. <laughs> and then I, and then from the Rochester standpoint, I feel like you know confiding in Jane like this really shows his increasing comfort level with her. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's more than just some employee. And yeah. that's where, I guess, that's, again, I mentioned, I'm going to keep reiterating this, you know, this is the best chapter so far. Mm-hmm. You know, we've turned a corner in their relationship where they're really, really getting deep into detail about their their personal lives mm-hmm. and, and totally feeling comfortable doing so. Yeah. You they're know. connecting and, yeah. and, and they probably spend a lot more time talking than maybe is proper. I wonder for, yeah. for the time period. I like how you know Jane mentions the fact that like when she sees him in the hallway, like all of a sudden he'll, he'll yeah, kind he's of smile nice. at her and he's nice, <laughs> and then they they have these little chats and and the, together at late at night. You see, mm-hmm. and he says sometimes she's a little he's a little bit moody, uh, yeah, brooding. But there's still she still seems to enjoy this. You know, cut back to a few chapters ago where you were saying how like I wonder if she wants to leave, mm-hmm. and now you're it's like no no I think she's she's she ready seems, to stay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, when I was a teenager and I first read this book, the romantic tension growing between Jane and Rochester is really what kept me invested in the story for a while. I even remember, you know, um, with the the beginnings with Lowood and everything, I was a little bit bored and then introduced Mr. Rochester and what's happening now. I'm I'm really invested. Uh, And so it's, it's funny to me because I just think that Maybe it's because of this book that I just have this strong affinity for these kinds of stories with the the will they or won't they romance and the tension is continually strung out because mm-hmm. there's all these delicious moments when you know they have feelings for each other, but you know they won't reveal it quite yet. And I was thinking back of like when I was a teenager, I was really into the X-Files. And okay. <laughs> noted romance, the X Files. See, yes. that's that's the thing. It's just like it's it. I wasn't that into the the more creepy storylines, although they were interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't really into scary stories. Um, well, I wasn't into watching scary stories. I did like reading scary stories, gothic stories by chance. Yeah, yeah. If you, as long as you mix in a little bit of romance, then mm-hmm. a little bit of horror is fine. Sure. Um, and X Files, you know, had that. I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess X Files would be very gothic, but. <laughs> 
in but did a they way. Build, I mean, I, mean I, I watched a handful of X-Files episodes here and there. Mm-hmm. I really, really liked the Fight the Future movie. Oh, did I, you? I was really impressed with that. Oh, yeah. And I think, but I never, I mean, I, I think there was always some element, like you said, of will there, Skelly and Mulder, will they or won't they? Mm-hmm. But then it was like, I thought that was always second fiddle. Like, I thought the whole point was that they were investigating these, yeah, these creepy I mean, there, things. There was episodes that were just focused on that. And then there was other episodes that had low moments um, of their interacting. And you don't know exactly. I feel like Fight the Future had that moment, too, when it seemed like they're almost going to kiss. Yeah. And, and she then gets she gets stung. stung. The, yeah, yeah. She gets yeah, stung yeah. in the neck by a bee or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I thought that'd be those, those were great moments for me. I just ate that all up. I just think it's funny <laughs> that when you talk about will they or won't they romance and of all the shows to bring up, you bring up the X-Files. Because I just, that was what I was obsessed with is, when I was a teen. <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess you maybe didn't watch as many sitcoms because that is such a common sitcom yeah. trope. I said pretty much every other sitcom has some sort of will they or won't they, Yeah, you know, unless it's a situation where the characters are already like broken up. Sometimes you'll see oh, sitcoms right. where it's like it's a character and their ex have to work together or something. Yeah. Then I guess in, then you find yourself wondering, are they going to get back together? Back together, huh? Like, I got to remember, I watched Friends back when it first started. And I know the Ross and Rachel thing, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't take very long. I think by the second season, they got already hooked up. Oh, okay. Um, they, didn't, they didn't string it out as long I don't know as they, uh, X-Files. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if they strung it out. And like, and... I mentioned one of my favorite TV shows ever is Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. And that one, they did a really good job of, of stringing out the Luke and Lorelai romance where oh. it was like, where he was sort of judging all of her boyfriends because it seemed like every season she had a different boyfriend. And oh. then they finally, spoiler, they finally hooked them up around, God, I got to remember it was, I think it was season either five or six. Mm. They finally hooked them up. Were and they then, like best friends or something? Yeah. And okay. I think, but that's what made it really interesting is because a lot of other shows that do it. And I think Dawson's Creek did a good job with this when they had Dawson and Joey. Uh-huh. They hooked up really quick. They hooked up like in the second, I think at the end of the first season. Uh-huh. It was only, and it was only a half season. So it was like, will they or won't they? Oh, wow. They've resolved it. <laughs> but I think with that, and especially with Gilmore Girls, what made that show what made, the, what made it kind of fascinating from the will they or won't they aspect is when they did hook them up, all the episodes after that were them tr- coming to grips with it. Oh, right. You know, it wasn't just like, all right, now we're together. It's great. It's more like, how are we doing this? We've been friends for so long. Now yeah. what do we do? Yeah. What next? And I, I did kind of like that. And it's, you know, it's funny you talk about this book. And you said, there, was there another book you were thinking of that kind of has a good will they or won't they? Yeah, I, I mentioned that when I was a teen, too, there was a book that I read um, just randomly. I think my friend had it. Um, and it was called The Magician's Ward by Patricia Reed. And I highly recommend it. It was I just really enjoyed it. I actually bought a copy of it. I still have it. What's the premise? So the premise is, is it's pretty simple. It's just a, a magician who takes in a, a, a young lady and kind of trains her to be, you know, in society. This is around 1800s England. Um, and he he's, he's also trying to teach her a little bit of his trade, which is a magician, like a mm-hmm. real magic, though, not like, a you know, today's kind of magician. Sure. And uh, he falls in love with her. And there's just this, uh, of course, she falls in love with him as well. There's an age gap, you know, there's status, uh, class status um, separation. So there's there's the same kind of tropes in Jane Eyre. And it's, you know, gradual that they start to realize they have feelings for each other. And the reader knows it early on. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a really fun read. Is it a long, is it a longer book? No, no, it's just a, it's just an, a YA story. Oh, it's like a YA, yeah. Yeah. Because I was going to mention to you, I think that's what I like about what's going on with Jane Eyre right now is that this is, you know, this this book is essentially, what, 400 pages or so. Mm-hmm. And if you want to do a Willie or Won't They, you can have a great opportunity to kind of stretch it out, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's why it happens a lot in television shows is because there's, 
you know, with, with a movie or a book, there's there's closure, there's finality. You have to be done at oh, a certain sure. point. So there seems like there's certain points where you're like, okay, we got to have this happen, then this happen. Okay, they got to get together, then they got to have something come in between them, mm-hmm. then they got to break up. You know, whereas TV shows do it a lot because they're like, we can get two, three, four seasons yeah. of this. And so I think, unfortunately, there, it, it doesn't lend itself well because it's almost, it's kind of cheating. Like you're just dangling this carrot in front of the audience and trying to get them to stay with it and you're like are you gonna just are you gonna get together or what whereas like you know and then movies sometimes they go the other way where it's too short how many mm. times have you seen a romantic comedy where you're just like wow these things are things are moving way too quickly right yeah you know whereas a book a 400 page novel mm-hmm. which would if you wanted to translate it into a film it's going to be four or five hours on a bridge right yeah, so that true. that makes more sense you have time to kind of develop these characters and so it means more when they do get together. Yeah. And that, that kind of brings me to another point I wanted to bring up, which, you know, sometimes I don't, I feel like, yeah, if you watch a movie adaptation of Jane Eyre, you kind of feel like, oh, they got together pretty quickly. But in the course of the story, you know, Jane specifically says eight weeks have passed that Mr. Rochester has been at Thornfield. So that's a lot of time for them to get to know each other and a lot of conversations that they've been having. So it's not really like a love at first sight kind of story. I just feel like it's this is the kind of love story that I really like where the, it's built on the two characters getting to know each other. You know, yeah. not not a physical attraction immediately. Sure. Know? Yeah. And like I said, I, I think like Jane should be flattered that Rochester seems to want to stick around, right? Because eight oh, weeks. Normally, yeah. he, he's what did Mrs. Fairfax says he's only there for usually two weeks at a time. Yeah, he's, and now he's, he's been there for eight. That should tell you something. <laughs> he's got a reason to stick around. Yeah, that, that tells the reader something for sure. Yeah, too. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even if Jane maybe doesn't want to admit it to herself, but yeah. uh, I was thinking because I was talking about how this kind of romance really appealed to me. I know, Mike, maybe you're not into romance stories as much but what mm. what makes a good romance to you well yeah i know you, you posed that question and i was thinking about it and it's the only thing i could come up with would be like the, the idea of the slow burn mm-hmm. you know subtle touches i think oh, yeah. and that's one of the things that i think why it translates better in a book than in a movie mm-hmm. because you get more opportunities to have like again i'm reading this chapter and i just love the way that jane is describing the whole setup where yeah. she's just like, then it was like this. Then I saw him in the hallway, and then we did this, and now I'm kind of feeling like I, you know, and she's yeah. describing because granted, it's an autobiography told in the first person, mm-hmm. right? So easy so, to do that, yeah. Yeah, you know. Whereas I sometimes I feel like with movies, as I said, they they, they rush through things, mm. like you know. But then, do you need to have Doctor Zhivago? Do you need to have three hours to tell this sweeping romance, oh. Gone with the Wind? You I mean, know, they are they are popular for a reason. So yeah. I'm sure yeah, people people enjoy getting into those details. Yeah, but then you look at a movie like Casablanca, right? Which is supposed to be one of the great romances right. of all time. That movie's not. I think it's less than two hours long. Mm-hmm. But do you know how they get around the idea of all the meat cute stuff? Is that a lot of it's told in flashback? Uh-huh. Because she comes into the restaurant and it's just like, oh, her. She he already knows yeah. her. And then, it so helps they, that everything's already happened. They've already done it. They don't have to meet each other and then and then and then go through the, mm-hmm. the 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 process of getting to know each other. They already do know each other. You just get a flashback in the second half of the movie yeah. that shows you. So it's weird to think of like some of the great screen romances it's are either three hours long <laughs> or they're they've got a lot of scenes in flashback that give up a lot of the exposition. Yeah, that's true. You yeah. Know. Well, that's why Jane Eyre is such a great book. It has a great romance. <laughs> yeah, and it, like I said, it's it's very gradual, and I, I'm I'm getting wrapped up in it. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, well, and it's funny because I was also when I was reading this chapter, it made we joked about I think on the last episode that you know 
I'm starting to see why you like this so much. Mm-hmm. Like you said, if you relate to Jane. And there are elements of this chapter where I got a little emotional reading it because I found myself thinking, maybe these are the kind of things that Charlene sees in me. Aww, you know, yeah. right? Like he talks. Like I, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it's, it's okay. I'll admit to the listeners now. I am not, a, I am not classically handsome. Oh no, I am, <laughs> I am bald and pale, and well, you know, and I find, me. and I find myself like she talks about how she's just. I think she, there was one point where she mentions the fact that she was just like, I didn't find him attractive. Oh, in the beginning, yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 then and she says, but we still kind of got to know each other, and I yeah. feel like you know. I'll tell, in case the listeners don't know, Charlene and I actually met on a dating website, Mm -hmm. which I guess you have to have some kind of a spark when you see the pictures. True. And I was totally enamored with your photograph, but then once, once we, once we got to know each other, I was like, okay, this is, this is, this is the one. Mm. And so, but (laughs) it's interesting to kind of read Jane Eyre and be like, oh, the stuff that Jane kind of sees in Rochester, I'm like, that must be what Charlene sees in me because it's not... Well, I think the the main points that Jane makes about what she sees in Rochester, which is that she feels really comfortable about with him. She finds it easy to talk with him and she enjoys her, his conversation. Like these are things that I think are very important to romance. And Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely we have that. And yeah, Rochester, Rochester talks a lot more than Jane does. (laughs) That's exactly like us. I'm the, I'm the the chatterbox. You're the, I listen. Yeah. What what was that a couple chapters ago? We had that thing where she, where she was talking about, not Helen. Remember the, the lady that took Helen's place? Oh, Marianne. Yeah. Marianne, where she's just like, I just sat and listened and let yeah, Marianne Yeah, she likes talk. to gossip. Marianne likes to gossip. And you're, you, you're not a gossiper. No, no. But you compared that to me where it's like, you like to listen. <laughs> that's true. And sometimes I feel like I talk too much, but then you're like, hey, if you enjoy listening, then yeah, sure. Yeah, that's why that's, we work. That's how a romance works. Yes. <laughs> so I like to point out moments in this book when there's a little bit of foreshadowing. And there's a moment when Mr. Rochester is talking about his past in a little bit shady Uh, terms and he mentions to Jane this is a bit of a quote but I'd like to include it floating on with closed eyes and muffled ears you neither see the rocks bristling not far off in the bed of the flood nor hear the breakers boil at their base but I tell you and you may mark my words you will come some day to a craggy pass in the channel where the whole of life's stream will be broken up into whirl and tumult foam and noise Either you will be dashed to atoms on crag points or lifted up and borne on by some master wave into a calmer current, as I am now. And, you know, don't, no spoilers yet, but that seems like it's going to be a very important illustration of something that will happen to Jane. And it kind of lends a, a little darker tone to Mr. Rochester's tale of woe. Makes it more gothic. Yeah, it's, it brings the gothic elements more into play of a, a little bit of mystery and sadness and darkness. And, you know, that is coming into play in this chapter where we have these demonic laughs and an almost deadly fire. And it's uh, something, again, that I really enjoy. <laughs> I just love gothic stories. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And like I said, you, you're, you're, we're developing this great romance. And yet let's just drop in another element Yes. Of some sort of intrigue and suspense into this already engaging book. Yeah. And like definitely. I said, I, I totally forgot this was the chapter that that happened. Because I was it almost. It moved pretty quickly, right? You, yeah. You could almost put this in another chapter. Yeah. Because that, that's, like I said, I was, I was really enjoying this chapter, just the way that she was describing her feelings. Like I said, she was coming to grips with these feelings, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then I was like, oh, this would be, I want to see how the rest of this chapter plays out. And then she's, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, that's right. This is where the fire's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I, when I start, when I first started to notice that it was happening, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This chapter's going so good with just the <laughs> romance angle. Yeah. But then, like I said, it, it takes another element and adds it on to it. And then 
it's still good. Obviously, it still keeps you going. But yeah. there's a but it, it and then the payoff at the end with it, like I said, how close they're getting, and mm-hmm. so I can I can appreciate that where it's like what did I say? Suspense and intrigue, but then it circles back around to the romance at the end with how the chapter resolves. True. Yeah. So Jane wakes up in the middle of the night. She hears some noises. She goes out and she sees some smoke in the hallway and realizes there's a fire in Mr. Rochester's room. And I just wanted to point out that in pretty much, well, almost all the adaptations that Mr. Rochester helps Jane put out the fire. Whereas in the novel, Jane puts out the fire all by herself, which I mean, if there's if it's more cinematic that Mr. Rochester wakes up and helps her put it out, but yeah, so I didn't realize it until you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was thought it's just such it. a little thing in my in the back of my mind. I thought, oh, that's weird <laughs> yeah. that Jane can't do it. She Jane can do it by herself, yeah. but there's a lot of literary analysis about that, and there's they point out there's some symbolism in this in this moment where. You know, Jane is quenching the fires of growing passions between them. Oh, yeah. Deep, uh, deep. Right? And, you know, cause, because Jane can't really expect that he would marry her due to their age and social status and the fact that he just told her that he had a mistress, you know, probably it's better for Jane not to have these feelings and she's trying mm. to suppress them. And Mr. Rochester is just feeding the flames, you know. It's lying there fast asleep, you know. <laughs> But then there's also a biblical reference with Jane using this water to put out the fire because she describes it as baptized the couch afresh and by God's aid succeeded in extinguishing the flames which were devouring it. So we mm. we have another instance of uh, re- religious tones that, you know, Charlotte Bronte brings to the story because, you know, she grew up very religious and possibly, you know, Rochester's be having his bed set on fire is sort of a judgment of some sort for something he did and jane is going to be his salvation no i mean and like you said is he supposed to is he allowed to have these feelings is he you know i mean he is if he's honorable about employer it. to employee yeah. twice her age but then it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's not illegal it's not is illegal it, is it immoral I, I, I don't depends know. on how he goes about it yeah yeah <laughs> we, we said this is one of the great romances and yet we're not supposed to be you know, well, that's put also off by Rochester's actions. And... That's also part of the appeal, I think, of the the fact that they're they're not supposed to get together. You know, yeah. there's, there's a little bit of forbidden aspect to it. Were there no forty year olds marrying eighteen year olds in Victorian England? Well, maybe not of the status. The the, the the class status is probably a bigger hurdle. Yeah, orphans were just left to fend for themselves. They couldn't. Well, she's a governess. She has to uh, stay and take care of the children. That's her job. That's true. And and yeah, and I'm you know it's been two hundred years, and I'm sure no one ever falls for the babysitter. <laughs> well, now that I uh, mentioned that, you know, the fact that I was obsessed with Jane Eyre as a teen, and stories like it, also loved Sound of Music. That was very similar. <laughs> <laughs> This is true. I remember, I think the first time you showed me Sound of Music, I was like, no wonder you like Jane Eyre so much. They're so similar. There's got to be an age difference there, right? Yeah. Definitely. Not quite the same as Jane Eyre. A little bit smaller, but yeah. still. But you know, Sound of Music never had a scene where the captain's bed is on fire. <laughs> and so we do get, like I said, this heavily dramatic moment. And then after everything has been extinguished, you know, Jane's quenching her desires inner fires but at the same time <laughs> you know all of a sudden we see rochester come around i don't know if it's because of you know he says the cherished preserver and, and mm-hmm. says you saved my life i wonder how you know 
Oh, at what point would he have woken up? Your bed is on fire. You should have, unless he was just totally drunk. He Maybe. would have woken up. But yes, she does still save his life. And then it leads to like this great exchange where he, all of a sudden his feelings, they're not quenched. No. You know, and he starts to see her in a different light, perhaps. But you heard an odd laugh. You've heard that laugh before, I should think, or something like it. Yes. There's a woman who sews here, Grace Poole. She laughs in that fashion. She is a singular person. Just so, you guessed it, Grace Poole. Now, you're no talking fool, are you? So say nothing of this. I will account for it. Return to your room. I shall do very well on the sofa in the library. Good night, then, sir. What, you're quitting me already? But you said I might go. But not without a word or two of goodwill. Not in that short, brief, dry fashion. Why, you saved my life. Saved me from a horrible and excruciating death. And now you propose to go as if we're mutual strangers. At least shake hands. I have pleasure in owing you so immense a debt. Good night, sir. There is no debt. I knew. I saw it in your eyes when I first beheld you. What, sir? That you would revive some goodness in me. Your eyes. That expression did not... Did not strike delight to my inmost heart for nothing. And people talk of natural sympathies. I've heard of good genie, and there are grains of truth in the wildest fable. My cherished preserver. Good night. You're cold. Go then. I will, sir, when you release my hand. Your hand. Good night, sir. Yes. Good night. Yeah, this conversation after the fire just simmers with a lot of sexual tension. And the fact that Mr. Rochester, you know, was close to death and he's really appreciative about Jane and what she did for him. I think that he's very close to revealing his feelings. Mm -hmm. And again, that's another element of that romance that I love oh, yeah. is that, that, that he's just about to say something to her. And I mean this with fully with pun intended. Mm -hmm. That's the slow burn. <laughs> the slow burn that I love to see in a good romance. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jane also, you know, she's she's trying to keep it together while she's there with him. But then she, when she gets back to her room, she's having a lot of emotions that there's a quote that I really like that she says, Sense would resist delirium. Judgment would warn passion. Mm -hmm. That Jane is, is really trying to keep a level head about this and not fall head over heels in love with Mr. Rochester. It's too late. Too late, yeah. yeah. Like I said, the, <laughs> the whole first half of the chapter, she's getting engrossed in this story about Celine. And maybe she's feeling sympathetic for him because mm -hmm. this woman has walked out on him and left him with this child. Yeah. You know, and so they said this, this simmering tension that she's it's already building up. And then this this fire happens. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, after it's over, she probably just is probably that much more interested in him after that. You know, like it's I, I haven't really, really talked about it, but I think she alludes to it in the first half of the chapter where she mentions her own like mood improving. Mm -hmm. And how it kind of made her day that much more enjoyable. And I really feel like that's what's supposed to happen when you fall in love, right? Yeah. Isn't that like, there's there's nothing, I was thinking about that, there's really no, you can't describe that feeling. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I 
I not to get too sentimental, but I never was in love before I met you. Mm-hmm. And once our romance started budding, it was like I said, we were inseparable. We were yeah. together a lot. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's like I know that feeling. Like you it's I wish everybody would get a chance to experience that feeling. Yeah. And so it's 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 great that a, an eighteen year old orphan who was at an institution who is now working for at this manner, mm-hmm. she gets a chance to sort of experience it. Although the only problem is she has to decide should I be feeling this? Yeah, and yeah. it's it's a credit to Jane that we've you know we've been with her through many years of her life now, and she's still very young and inexperienced, and she's dealing with these new emotions. But she's doing her best to deal with it in a way that's very mature. Mm-hmm. And again, Jane is such a strong character. Yeah, for someone so young, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've come to the end of the episode, and we always like to wrap all of them up in the same way, and that is to recite a meaningful passage or quote from the chapter. So, Shirlene, I'll let you go first. Give me your most meaningful passage from chapter 15. Well, very fittingly, since we just talked about this, my quote is, So happy, so gratified did I become with this new interest added to life that I ceased to pine after kindred. My thin crescent destiny seemed to enlarge. The blanks of existence were filled up. My bodily health improved. I gathered flesh and strength. Again, Jane is be just becoming more happier and healthier with these new feelings and new interests she has in life as she that's, says that's the first half that's before the fire right yeah yeah, yeah. that's that, that's again that's part of the reason i told you i was really loving that chapter because passages like that were just oh god i you you're feeling what she's feeling and yeah. you feel happy for jane because exactly. oh, again how how much you know what she's saying here is she said she ceased to pine after kindred so before this she did miss that she didn't have any family and mm-hmm. she said that she her bodily health improved and she gathers flesh and strength that means she wasn't feeling very great i guess before yeah. then no She's burnt a little porridge thin. no john reed picking <laughs> on her right this is yeah the blanks of her existence were filled up and i, I like that i well, like that phrase i'll give you the floor charlene how how did you feel when we first started well I, yeah the blanks of existence were filled up it's like it's not like your life is empty it's so much that you you know when you're single i don't i don't want to say you know if you're if you're single you could still be happy and you sure. could still feel fulfilled but when you're in a relationship with someone who you really love there is something something different about life where you you, you do feel like something that what that you didn't know was missing is is now fulfilled and i mm-hmm. just i love i love that for jane and i love that for us oh <laughs> you're walking on air and all that stuff yeah yes so What's your quote? Well, it kind of goes back to what we talked about the very first part of the episode, which is at the beginning of the chapter, Rochester tells Jane about Celine and the whole backstory and how he finds himself getting more and more comfortable. And we talked about, you know, Jane is sort of falling for him and getting more passionate, whereas Rochester's still, I wonder if he still feels she's a little too young, but he is growing you know, fond of her mm-hmm. and wants to be around her more often. And so this was the quote I had. This is right after, this is when he's telling her the story about Celine. He says, you with your gravity, considerateness and caution were made to be the recipient of secrets. Besides, I know what sort of a mind I have placed in communication with my own. I know it is one not liable to take infection. It is a peculiar mind. It is a unique one. Happily, I do not mean to harm it, but if I did, it would not take harm from me. The more you and I converse, the better. For while I cannot blight you, you may refresh me. Mm. 
So yeah, now now Mr. Rochester's side of it, what the what is the benefit of his relationship with Jane for Mr. Rochester is that he is becoming a better person, mm-hmm. a more content and happier person too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it shows the dichotomy of you always think about passion and romance being more of a feminine trait a mm-hmm. lot of times. Yeah, and so like we said, you know, Jane has the, starting to develop these strong feelings, and whereas Rochester's kind of like it's more of a slow burn again, where it's like he's. He is developing some, but it's not as fiery for her. It's just more like, I like talking to you. I like when you're around. Mm-hmm. And maybe he, like many men, probably doesn't have the ease. He's not really good at expressing his feelings. Hmm. And so. I don't know about that. Well, I think, I mean, I think he'll, that he'll get there. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like right now, especially because I wonder if he's starting to wonder if it's immoral. The fact that she works for him and she's 20 years younger. Things, yeah. yeah. And so that's where it's like. Maybe he's maybe he doesn't realize he's you know subconsciously doing this where he's like he's inviting her out mm-hmm. or inviting her down to have conversations with him at the fire and then sometimes he doesn't know how to act he's moody he's drunk I know <laughs> I've been there where it's like if you like a girl but you don't know how to how to react mm-hmm. and then when she's you just you're trying to you're trying to find excuses for, to hang out but then you don't know what to say sometimes when you're there mm-hmm. and so you try to just be yourself he keeps remember he keeps, he always apologizes for his behavior a mm-hmm. lot of times you know <laughs> but it's like I said it's it's a slow simmer. So as as much as Jane is having to come to grips with hers, I think Rochester is having to come to grips with his. And that's what makes this novel so much more dense. And that's what I really appreciate about it. Yeah, there's a lot of depth to the characters and the romance and their relationship. And there's a lot more complications to come. No! <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. This really helps us grow and reach new listeners. If you want to talk Jane Eyre with me online, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at airguide. That's E-Y-R-E. And if you want to hear more from me, I host my own podcast called Out of Touchstone, where my good friend Chad and I discuss all the films that Disney produced for their Touchstone Pictures label. You can also find me on Twitter at Mike DeKalb. Thank you and farewell for the present.